Father, we indeed are blessed, Lord, already this morning as we had the opportunity to, to look into your word, Lord, and dwell on a very important topic for, for each one of us, Lord, that we need to experience, make an experience with the Holy Spirit, Lord, not only once in, in a bit, hopefully early in our lives, but continually until the, the very end, Lord, when you call us into your presence, if we have made this covenant with you. And so be, we, we're so thankful, Lord, that we have an opportunity, that we have the health and strength to come here. And we, we pray for those, Lord, that are right now in, in turmoil, in, in, whether in Israel or in Gaza, Lord, but those people who are, are oppressed, Lord, by, by evil forces. And we pray that you would glorify your name by, by revealing to them the, the need to, to come to thee, Lord, to, to find not only meaning of life, but, but perhaps safety for, for the time being, Lord. We pray for those who, who are also in wars in the Ukraine. Uh, we pray for, for those who are uh, at home, uh, perhaps, uh, unable to come and to, to fellowship with, with us, Lord, and to, to be present. We, we know you can be in their presence right now, and we would lift them up before you and, and pray that the Holy Spirit can speak to them like he could speak to, to the people. And so, so many years back, Lord, to, uh, even in different languages they could understand. And so we too will be mindful, Lord, to, to be able to hear your word even, even today as we would attempt to, to dwell and meditate some more time, Lord, on your word. And we, we give you thanks, Lord, for your invitation for each one of us that, that has come, Lord. We pray that it will be a blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. I have to apologize. Uh, I have a lost of all days. I uh, forgot my glasses. I didn't lose them. Forgot my glasses at home, and I'm using some old, old glasses. And uh, I'm going to have a hard time reading, I guess. Uh, and also, I, uh, I'm thinking of a of a meditation, not a sermon. Uh, a sermon, I, I don't know for sure, but I think a sermon is, is probably more a, a teaching. Uh, and uh, so uh, this is not going to be a teaching. This is a meditation on, on something. And I was, actually was tempted, as earlier when I looked at the, the Bible class lesson we're going to have, I was tempted just to take out a sermon I had earlier this year about Pentecost, and, and uh, I figured, no, that's, that's, too, that's too much. It's too close to get uh, it, it, People are going to get uh, bored, I guess. Uh, but Pentecost, for me, is, is uh, I think it's as, as important as Christmas and as important as Easter. For some reason, not only in this church, but in, in, in the U.S., we, don't, we somehow don't think of Pentecost as anything special. And it's, yes, it, it was a harvest. It was a harvest festival. But more importantly, it's 40 days after Passover. 
exactly 40 days after Passover. And no, it's 50 days after Passover. 40 days is ascension. 50 days later after Passover is the giving of the Torah. That's when they arrived on Mount Horeb and received the, the, the law. Moses gave them the law. And, and that's, that's really the more, more important part because it makes this parallel, right? That God gives to, to his people the, the word and he gives, many, many years later, he, he gives the Holy Spirit to his people. A beautiful picture, really. Uh, and I, I'm, I have a sermon outlined that, that I've, uh, I had from way back, and it would have been so much easier to do that. And now I'm, I'm picking something that, that is way beyond what I can handle, really. Uh, so I, I, you have to kind of uh, work with me and, and work yourself and, in that. And what it is, when I, I'm, because I'm, I don't want to repeat myself, so I keep track uh, of, of the sermons. And so I, I, I put a name on it. I'm, I, I'm, so, so that I can look it up on, on the computer. And, and I've titled this one, Why Did God Create Humanity? A question. Why did God create humanity? And you may think, well, why do we even ask a question? Well, we'll never really know until we are on the other side. And, and it's true. I don't think we, we have the ability to, uh, to really answer that because... As I go through scripture, uh, I, don't, I don't see you know, a, a nice text we could go through verse by verse and it, it will kind of explain that. But I think what's good is when we go through the entire book with a question in mind, you know, which will then give us a, a mindset to analyze what, what scripture is saying. If we, if we read it, uh, every day, perhaps with a different question in mind, it, but we'll highlight. Otherwise, it's just a story at times. And so, I'm gonna gonna attempt to do that. And it's 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 pretty difficult because uh, there's so many different passages that would potentially give us uh, insight into that. But only a verse here and a verse there, and and perhaps we're gonna read a, a longer passage too. But the, the, to ask that question really is gonna, is gonna lead us into the next question, what is my purpose in this life? And that was the reason why I became a follower of Christ uh, many, many years ago, exactly on February 15, 1968. So I, this is a very important day, more important than my birthday, really, because that was my real Birth, because without that, I don't think life would make much sense. It would have no purpose. And so, uh, with, with, with that said, uh, as I was looking at some of the scriptures uh, from front to back, and I have some references here, all the way from Genesis to almost the last page in, in scripture, um, to, to give me some ideas um, why that is important. To, to give me an understanding, what is my purpose as a Christian? Uh, yes, uh, the Anglican uh, uh, statement of faith, if you want, 
they say that we are to glorify God. And there's a psalm. I don't have it written down. There's a psalm, I think 139 maybe or whatever, uh, that speaks to the, to the fact, uh, yes, we, God created us to glorify his name. What does that mean, to glorify God? Uh, what can I do to glorify God? Uh, that, uh, yeah, I can, I can praise him, I can declare him uh, wherever I go, uh, I suppose. And that, does that glorify him? Uh, it, it does. It, many other things do. But is that a good enough explanation of why he created humanity? Why not? Why wasn't he just satisfied with creating angels, right? Angels, uh, they, they can make a decision. Like one of the big theological points is that we, as humans, are given the freedom to make a decision for good or evil as Adam and Eve were given uh, at the beginning. But angels can do that too. And I would, I would say, why was God not satisfied with just having angels? And uh, there's not much, well, there's a lot of references about angels in Scripture, but it doesn't tell us an awful lot, and it doesn't even tell us when he created the angels, right? Except there is one passage uh, in, in Job, uh, if I can find it. And it's in, in well, actually, I, I wrote it out in, it, because in King James, it's, it's, it's correctly translated from, from Hebrew. Um, and it's, it's in, in 38, uh, chapter 38, uh, and it's verse 7. Let's start a bit further, further back. But it's, it's essentially God speaking to, at the end of, this long, long book, God is speaking to Job and telling him, you were not even there when I created the universe. You were not there. Who are you to, to question me? It's essentially, that's what he says there in the first few verses there. And uh, so it's a, who hath laid the measures thereof, if thou knowest? Or who hath stretched the line upon it? Whereupon are the foundations thereof fastened? Or who laid the cornerstone thereof? He is asking this to, to, to Job. When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. That's the King James. When, it's, uh, when, when it says the, the sons of God there. Who are the sons of God? That was before there were humans. That's the beginning of of the creation. And so the sons of God is really the, the, the right understanding of that is angels. So we, we know he created, at least from that one verse, and Big uh, Schlatter would say you need two or three witnesses, and this is just one witness. Uh, but that's the, the only one I could find. There is maybe more, but that's the only one I could find, which would indicate us when, when God created the angels, and it was apparently before. Uh, he created everything else. And so, uh, obviously, the angels were not 
what he what 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 he planned for what what he's what he has in mind into eternity. That's not the angels are are essentially messengers. That's another name for an angel, a messenger. They they execute what God wants to implement. Uh, we talked about messengers this morning. The two men that that appeared to the, the disciples uh, and told them, that "You will see God, Jesus coming back the same way you saw him ascending." And and, uh, and so they are they are people of they're, 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 uh, his creation that that do exactly what God has in mind because we know from other descriptions of angels that we know they can see God at all times. They, they have a total realization of who God is in his power and his glory. And he created us very differently. He created us as, as creatures that, um, A, we're not going to live very long. Our lives are relatively short, or some of them are very short, and and we can't see God. We 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 can't we cannot we can perceive God in terms of uh, uh, if we if we actually understand and believe in miracles, we can see in through miracles or the experience we can make when the Holy Spirit speaks to us. Hopefully. And we'll, we'll, we'll look into that a little bit, uh, how God has done that before. But th- that's really important to know that we're here just uh, on that. I came across another passage, and it's in, in Psalm, Psalm 103. I always, always loved that, that psalm. And I, I don't want to read the whole thing, but uh, just uh, let's pick it up, Psalm 103 and in verse 12, as far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. Like a father that pitied his children, so the Lord pitied them that fear him. For he knoweth our frame. He remembered that we are dust. As for man, his days are as grass. As a flower of the field, so he flourished. For the wind passed over it, and it's gone, and the place thereof shall know it no more. Well, that to me is a picture of we are just here like grass, gone. And then, at the end, uh, even the place thereof shall know it no more. So there there is no purpose, really, for a life here, it's very short, and you know some people, some people think, uh, well, I have to leave a legacy in this life. Well, what kind of a legacy? Hopefully, a good one, right? But the legacy will not endure. God is going to close up this, just like He created the universe. He's going to take it away. And then comes the new Jerusalem, which is not a physical one, as far as I can tell, because he's going to remove even the universe, according to Peter. Um, it's a passage in Peter. Um, 
Peter chapter 3, 2 Peter chapter 3, um, Well, let's, let's just begin in verse 9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And then he goes in verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat, and the earth also, and the works that are daring shall be burned up. Well, that's a pretty clear description of what God is going to do with the universe. He's going to wrap it up like, like a saran wrap that you don't use anymore and then throw it away. It's kind of a picture I get. Uh, and so... Legacy, what legacy? Is it going to last? No, it, it will be gone. What we need is something totally different. God has something in mind for you and, and for, for everyone here. If we, if we don't perish, he, he says there in, in verse 9, he's not willing that any should perish. Well, perish, yeah, we're going to all die, right? But no, the perishing is the spiritual perishing if we don't get to that point where we get to know him. And that's really what, you know, the Apostle Paul makes in, through in, in Philippians 3. He says, all the work I've done all my life, and he probably did more than any other Christian, and he says, all of that is really worthless, except that I know him. It's knowing him is, is really the all-important thing. It's not what you do, we talked about this morning. It's not so much what we do, it's do we know him? And, and so I want to, perhaps I want to go to another passage uh, to kind of illustrate how we potentially get to that point, and that's in, in Exodus, uh, in Exodus chapter 3. And, and it's, it's the story of Moses. In chapter 2, he killed, uh, he killed uh, an Egyptian. He was, he was a, a prince. At, uh, uh, the daughter of Pharaoh adopted him. And so he was raised as a, as a prince of the most powerful uh, country at that time, more powerful kingdom, and uh, probably was very rich, well-to-do, well educated, and, uh, and then he kills an Egyptian, and then the, the, the Pharaoh says uh, he's going to... Trying to find the point. Now, then, now, when Pharaoh heard this thing, that, that he killed an Egyptian, he sought to slay Moses, but Moses fled from the face of Pharaoh and dwelt in the land of Midian, and he sat down by a well and so forth. And then he goes on to, to, to say uh, what he did there in, in Midian. And we, I, don't, I don't remember exactly how long that, that he was in, in Midian. I think it was a very long time, but I'm, I, I didn't uh, look into that. And that in, in, verse, uh, in chapter 3, he says, Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the backside of the desert, 
and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here am I. And then he goes on. The point I'm seeing here in a context of how to find out what our individual purposes in this life, because God has has a plan for each one of us because the kingdom that he's going to build or is building that it will be in eternity that it's going to be absolutely awesome i almost can't wait to get there i think it's going to be incredible not just a heaven where we all sing or whatever I think he, he trains us, each individual one of us, in a very specific way. A, a, he created us very, very different. And then we go through life. Some of it seems like easy and some of it extremely hard. We don't know exactly what God has in mind with that, but it, we can tell it's not going to be uh, just all the same. It, 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 he has some awesome thing in mind, when you think the, the awesomeness of his creation, not, not just the beauty, but just the sheer awesomeness of, uh, of the universe. And, and then, we'll shortly read uh, on that, he creates all of that to create a small, little, tiny little planet. And then he puts people in there. What is he going to do when, when he puts all of that away? As we talked about, he just wraps it up, puts it away. And then he starts what he had always in mind with, with us there, if we're willing to do what Moses did. And what did Moses do? And I, again, I, I don't know how long he, he was, was herding sheep there. He was, to me, he was just, he, he had this, this best education probably. And now he's wandering for years and years with sheep to the desert. It's aimlessly wandering around, I guess. Uh, and then he comes at one point, he comes to see, see something uh, like a miraculous thing. He starts asking a question. He's, why is this bush not consumed? And that's why we have to ask questions. Whether we can answer them or not, but we have to ask questions. And then it says that, and Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight. He made a change. Rather than just wandering aimlessly, he tried to understand something about, let's say, something about life. And what is very important here in the next uh, verse there, when the Lord saw that he turned aside, when the Lord saw that Moses actually made an effort to know something more than just wandering around in a desert, like so many people do. No, we, we're not wandering in deserts. We're, we're here, and uh, it's beautiful. Most people don't live in deserts. Well, maybe, maybe a lot of them do, but uh, let's, let's face it. 
we, a lot of people right here in the lush areas, even in Florida, they are wandering through deserts, really, really. Because unless you have a purpose, unless you know where you're going, you're still in a desert, no, no matter how lush it looks. And, and so that's what I see here. Moses makes an effort to know, and then God speaks to him. God has to speak to us, N not something that I can figure out. I, I cannot figure out who God is. I can ask myself questions and, and search. And, and then when we do that, when we really want to know what, what, what life is all about, God will speak to us. But we have to make that effort. We have to make that effort. And so uh, I want to go to the beginning of the book. I don't know how much time you have, but, but just, just a few verses there in the, in the beginning of this book, which can highlights a little bit. Who, again, all that the question is really to give us a better insight of the character, the nature of God when we, when we try to read the whole book with that question in mind. Why did he create? Uh, why did he create humanity? Because I think it's the humanity that's really uh, uh, the important part that God wanted to create. And, and it says there, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Verse 1. Verse 2. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. What we see here, God creates a universe so big, we have no clue what it is. It's so enormous. But we know a lot more than they knew just a few hundred years ago. It is incredibly big. And it's amazing. And he creates all of that. And then he creates an Earth, a tiny little planet in, in, in amongst billions of, of, of planets and stars. And then some, something important in verse 2, what did he? And it was void and dark, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Okay, there's, there's the earth in its original form, and it's just covered with water. There's no, there's no mountains. We'll read that later on in, in a third part of creation, uh, where, where the earth is, is brought forth. So it's just water there. But the important part is the spirit is there, right? The spirit, not just God that spoke things or made things, the spirit is already on the water. This tells me that is what God had in mind, is this little planet that we are on, because he was going to put us on there. Yes, it, he created all the other things because we couldn't live otherwise. If there wouldn't be no plants and no animals, we, we, we wouldn't be here. So, but, but his objective was this planet, and the, his spirit was already on the planet. And uh, when we read... The, the other interesting part when we read and, and we go to uh, we go to John. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, 
And the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. And in him was life, and the life was the light of man. Obviously, he speaks of Jesus. So we know Jesus was the CEO of the creation. He was there, God that gave the gave the blessing, so to speak, and the Spirit was there telling us God had something incredible in mind with creating this earth. And maybe it doesn't always seem to us like that incredible, but I think it, it is because it's all made just for a, a relatively short time. To us, it's, it's incredibly long, but, but for each one of us, life is really very short. Uh, and so... He creates all of that as, as a temporary thing, as a, as a, what? Like an apprenticeship of sorts for us as a springboard to get an opportunity to, to get to know him so that he can then use us in a new, what we call a kingdom, in a new creation, not a physical one. But we have to make an effort to find that. We have to not only ask questions, we, we, have to, we have to come to God and insist that he reveals himself to us. Because, you know what, it, it, it really takes that. It, he, in the beginning, uh, he created Adam and Eve, right? In, in the next chapter here, he, he creates Adam and Eve, and he tells them, what they need to do. He gives them a job uh, to do. They didn't have to search for it or even ask questions because God was always present with them in the evening. They would walk with, with God in, in the cool of the evening. And, and, and so they had a constant conversation going with God. They didn't have to ask the same question as we have. And then, of course, we know that uh, they, they, they did something which brought this whole thing to an end, this, this relationship with God. And, and of, of course, God knew that it was going to happen, so he had that, that in mind as well, because we, we are placed here without really a, a, a real vision of, of who God is. We don't see his power uh, in, in a, such a graphic way that would totally, uh, uh, you know, just take away our, our breath, so to speak. Well, we can sense the presence of God and see it in nature. In Romans 1, the apostle says that nobody has an excuse. Everybody can recognize there is a creator God by just looking at, at, at nature, by looking what, what he has created. And so... But it's not that clear, right? So, so often we go through the whole day and it's just me and my work and, and, and my, my problems maybe. And, and the, ultimately, uh, God has, has something way more deeper in, in, in mind for us than, than just struggling with things, wandering to the desert, so to speak. But... You know, here, if we would go on and reading the, the, the rest of the, of the story, how he created all things, uh, by speaking it into 
existence, just speaking it there. And then it comes to, well, at one point, he created man, so, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God created him, male and female created he them. And God blessed them, and God said unto them, be fruitful, multiply, and so on. Uh, and then that's just in a plural, uh, as he's speaking there, about creating men on earth. And then we go through, and after the, the story of the day seven, when God stopped creating, he stopped creating. And then he comes to telling us about Adam. He didn't speak Adam into being, as he did with everything else. He, he took the dust of the earth, meaning what already was there, and he created Adam, right? And the, and the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. I always, when as a kid, I always thought, okay, uh, that's when he got life. He made Adam out of dust, and there he was, dead, and then he made him alive. He kind of started his heart or something. I think what that means is something totally different. Adam was alive, completely alive, as he made him. But then he breathed real life into him. That's the kind of life you and I need. He breathed real life into him. He doesn't do that with us. Not anymore. Not after, not after Adam and Eve messed it up. From there on, it's up to us to figure it out. And, but there, he, he, he gave Adam this, this God type of nature that no animals had. And then and he, he gave him a job to do, to take care of this small little area carved out on the earth, Garden of Eden. And he was supposed to take care of it and, and do things with, with one exception. There was something he was not supposed to do. There was one, one specific point, and whether it was an apple or, or, or a fruit that he was not supposed to eat doesn't really make any difference. Uh, the point is they did something that was not in agreement with what God had in mind for them. In other words, they did the same as the devil did. The devil was Lucifer, I think it's in, in Isaiah 34 or so, uh, where Lucifer uh, wanted to be the same brilliant uh, creation as God himself was. And, and God says, no, I'm going to depose you as an angel. From now on, you're going to be the devil. And, and so that he made a decision, the devil made a decision, or the Lucifer made a decision, and, and, and so did so did. Adam and Eve. They made a decision to be something different from what God had really revealed to them, namely the, the, the real life. And they, 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 were, they lost it. They got taken out of the Garden of Eden. And then we know it goes down to, to Noah. And by the time it came down to Noah from so many generations down, uh, God had to remove some of the DNA and had to destroy all of humanity except for the family of Noah and to start over with a more cleaned up 
DNA in, 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 his, in his creation, right? And then he goes on and he sends Abraham away from Mesopotamia and, and told him to go a different place because he was going to start a different nation with him. And he gave him, again, clear instructions what, what his, his job was. Uh, well, I, no, he wasn't that clear, but, but uh, he, at least he gave him a promise of where he would be and what would happen uh, f from, from there on with, with, uh, with what became Israel. And so then we come to Moses, right? 450 years later, whatever it was. And Moses was maybe the first one, at least that I can tell, that actually wanted to know more than, than just living a, a life here, maybe a happy life, not so happy. He, he wanted to know what, what to do. And that's, that's the same thing. We have to... We have to search. We have to get to know him. And, and he will be known. He, he will make himself known to us if we, uh, it says, repent, meaning forget about being just my own self and my own life. Realize I need something beyond that. And God will... will he says, knock, and I will open. I will reveal myself. And so when we, and then that's not just a one at a once in a lifetime. This is an ongoing process. We can, we can walk away from, from, from this invitation like, like Adam and Eve did. Once we have the, the, the breath of, of God in us, the Holy Spirit, we can also walk away from it, just like the devil and just like Adam and Eve. And so it's a lifelong process to continuously seek to have communion with him. And for some, it's very short, and for some, it's, it's, it's much longer. But ultimately, he will get us there, and uh, we'll come to the end. And I just want to read one passage at the end of the book, which... Uh, is in 21, it's in, in 21, let, let's just see 10, perhaps start with verse 10. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great high mountain and showed me that great city, that holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God, having the glory of God, and her light was like unto a stone most precious, even like jasper stone, clear as crystal, and had a great and high, uh, and had a wall great and high, and had twelve gates, and the gates, and and the gates twelve angels and names written thereon, which are the names of the twelve tribes of the children of Israel. And it goes on explaining what this is going to be. This is the this is going to be eternity, and it's very hard for us to to kind of picture that, and I don't think it's, it's at all what we can imagine. And why is it? Why didn't he explain it more clearly? Because it's going to be so incredibly awesome. We could not even comprehend how great this is going to be. 
because the, we, we wouldn't understand the words. When, if he would describe to us, and we read the Apostle Paul, you know, if it's in Corinthians or where, where he said that he was elevated to the seventh heaven, meaning to outside of, of a physical realm. He was in heaven, but he was not allowed to speak about it. It, it, was, it was just too, uh, uh, it was too much. He, couldn't, he could not speak about it. And that, that's why, because it's, it's so great. And, and I'm looking forward to, to, to get there. And, and I know I have, to, I have to be here for as long as he decides. And, and because it's a process, and sometimes it's, it's difficult, sometimes it's hard. And, uh, and yet we, we, can, you know, we can look forward to something great if we, if we really look for and ask God to reveal himself to us.